0: Hi, welcome to Miles from Home Podcast. I'm your host, David Miles, coming to you from Fredericton, New Brunswick. Hope you're all doing well. Thanks so much for being here. I've got a conversation today with Neon Dreams. Adrian Morris and Frank Cadillac of Neon Dreams. These guys are One of the most successful pop bands ever to come out of Atlantic Canada. And it has been an unbelievably fun thing to watch for me. I remember when they first started out, these guys knew each other in high school. They've been friends ever since. We talk about maintaining that relationship over these years, but I've just loved watching them. I love how they interact with their fans. I love seeing them develop as musicians and as human beings. They're so open about their struggles. about working through what they got to do to stay on top of it. And I truly respect that. I really do. So most of this conversation is with Adrian Morris. And then I get this beautiful conversation with Frank Cadillac at the end, the singer. I want you to stick around and listen to the whole thing because I think you're going to get a lot from it. It's such an amazing story, particularly that not only have they become one of the biggest pop bands in Canada, but now they are traveling around the world, particularly in South Africa, where they are playing huge shows. Wait until you hear this story. My favorite story. Honestly, my favorite story in Canadian music throughout the pandemic was watching Neon Dreams develop a massive international career by way of Spotify, by way of Instagram, and they did it with class, and now it's been so cool to watch. So in fact, that's where we start. We're gonna get into all sorts of stuff, but we start right there with me asking Adrian to tell me a little bit about how it went from one song floating around on the internet to developing into a career where they're now playing to 4,000, 5,000 people in South Africa per show. Unreal. You're going to enjoy this conversation with Neon Dreams. I'm on Instagram at David Miles. I'm on Twitter at Miles David. Always with a why. Why? Because I love you and I appreciate you being here with me on the Miles From Home podcast. Hope you're enjoying all the episodes we've been putting out. Please feel free to share them. And in the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Neon Dreams. There he is. Hello, hello. How are you, buddy?
1: Hi. Good, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Frank had to take a, a physio appointment. He messed up his leg, and we got some shows this weekend, so he's just getting it looked at. um yeah so he he he's still on his way he he may come in like halfway through if you're fine with that
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure cool let's just go at it or we can go go a little later if you want do you want to go a little later um i'm I'm literally just working from the office right now like from my studio
1: uh we can crack into it man i i i think because he asked me he asked me if uh I wanted to just do it on my own originally, and I said, no, we should do it together, so maybe we can just start with us, and then he can yeah. come in half yeah, a Yeah, yeah,
0: great. Well, thanks for doing yeah. this, man. Nice to see you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Corey's in the room, too. We might even bring him in. He come on. on.
0: Hey, buddy. <laughs> nice What's to see Corey on? over there. Great to see you. Hey, well, you too, man. Just the away here. Right on. That's great. Well, it's uh I appreciate you doing this, man. And congratulations on everything over. As I've said to you before, like your story as a band is pretty much my favorite East Coast story oh, yeah. of the last few years, no doubt. Just watching that that whole thing blow up in South Africa through the pandemic, like I felt like you guys were giving so many people joy and hope, including myself. <laughs> we were like home, not touring, and then you're out there just crushing it, doing these great shows. And
1: thank you. It, it really, really was a blessing to have that opportunity in South Africa and to be able to, to do some shows, even if they're on a smaller scale, we were really fortunate to be able to do that and congrats to you too, man. I haven't seen you since your Juno win. So congrats.
0: Oh, thanks. that's amazing. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, Appreciate that. So, cool. so yeah. Tell me about how that, I mean, we'll go back into the early days in a sec, but just to get into this South Africa ex- experience how did that happen because now you're now this is like a major touring destination for you guys and it didn't come by just like going there and playing tiny shows first right like it it was led by a song was it not
1: yeah so we have we put the song out life without fantasies back in uh i want to say summer 2019 and it was on our album sweet dreams to sunbeams and we had originally put it out as as a single and kind of like a more of like a digital focus single um a few weeks ahead of the album and honestly it was like the biggest flop we've ever had on a song ever it it didn't it didn't place on any playlists on any dsps it it didn't really do much it didn't even stream well and we were we were really bummed out because we were really excited about the song and you know our decisions to like are we going to go to radio with her or anything like that kind of sometimes is determined on how well it does off the jump streaming and Uh, it just didn't do well and then we're like okay well we move on to the next you know what what's the next song on the album that we're gonna push with and it it kind of sat there for um, I guess a full year or maybe even more and then around I want to say it was around October 2020 I I like I follow our stats on Spotify and like sometimes Uh, random companies or not companies random countries will pop up on certain songs and there'll be a bit of a buzz. And um, I've seen it happen before with like our song high school dropout. I saw it start a bubble uh, in a country in Europe one time, but it it was short lived and only lasted like a week or two. And I've seen it happen with other songs. So I think it was October, 2020, I noticed life without fantasy starting to bubble in South Africa. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. It's interesting. But you know, another random country on the other side of the world, who knows if anything really happens with it. Cause you know, when you first, when I first looked at it, it's like, it's like a few thousand streams. Um, and then, so first week goes by and it's like, cool, a cool, few thousand streams, next week goes by doubles. And I'm like, okay, something interesting happened happening here. I think it was around the third or fourth week it had like tripled or quadrupled. And I was like, whoa, what is happening here? And I had pointed it out to our manager, to Frank and all like this is interesting well let's just see what happens and then uh i think another two weeks went by and the song's still growing and i'm only seeing this on uh my like for artist pages for apple music and spotify at the time so i contact uh someone i know at apple music and i said hey do you have any idea where this is coming from or what's happening here and uh he asked me some questions like is is it like get on TikTok or is it is it uh like on the radio did you guys push it to radio or is there some sort of sync and i said no we have we have no idea where this is coming from like and the tiktoks are just starting now after like 6 weeks of growth of this song and um apple had helped us out and connected us with apple south africa and from there it just grew and grew and grew and grew and it, it really didn't peak for like another nine months after that but it, it just kept growing and growing but the point we really realized that something special was happening is when those fans that heard the song started to discover us on instagram and connecting with yeah. us more personally and it wasn't just like we have a song that's doing well they're actually connecting with the band and now the other songs are starting to go and they're reaching out to us and they're posting videos and tagging us and we we saw that and Frank had posted this video of him with his ukulele in front of in front of a lake just thanking all the fans that had reached out and saying we're going to come there at some point it's not now but at some point we're going to make it to South Africa and this video exploded it absolutely exploded like I think, I think it, it's, it was an Instagram video, and I think it hit like 800,000 views or something Holy crazy like that. And, uh, and then when we posted that video. People were like, we love this song even more on the ukulele. So then we went and built a ukulele version of the song, and that even took it to a whole other level. Um, and it was really this crazy thing because we couldn't really do anything about it at first. So we're talking uh, starting in about October 2020. And we didn't make it over until May twenty twenty one was the first tour we did there, um, and that was magical. I'll never forget that tour for the rest of my life. It, I I just remember landing in South Africa, and we had fans like wanting to accommodate us. Like our first stay there was a fan that ordered an Airbnb, and they said, you can just stay at my Airbnb for, for your first month here because no. we don't have any business wow. right now. And, and and they hosted us and i remember we got to the airbnb and these at this point we're, we're pushing the song like we we've been now pushing it because of everything that had gone on and we had worked with some some tiktok tiktokers over there and like they picked us up from the airport and we get to our airbnb and we're like let's go check out the beach because the beach was close by to our airbnb and i remember we're, we go and we're on a beach that's opposite of table mountain it's about 30 minutes outside the city and we're looking at table mountain and some guy starts screaming and running down the beach and we're like oh no are we get, are we getting robbed or something it's our it's our first night here and someone's already yelling at us and running down the beach and it was a fan that spotted us from like half a kilometer away down the beach and like wanted photos and all this stuff and that was like my first interaction with a the fan there was we're just hanging on the beach. We just landed that morning. All we had done was unpacked our bags and go on dinner and then went in and watched the sunset at the beach. And this, this fan was losing his mind. And then from there, I couldn't even imagine where it went. Like we went to the mall the next day. I remember like 10 kids stopping us asking for photos and all this stuff. And that was the moment I was like, this is really real. Cause it wasn't real. It wasn't like, physically tangible in front of me until experiencing that. And I'm like, well, this song really has blown up here.
0: Wow, man. It's what's so crazy about that is just how, as you said, it's like it spent so much time in the intangible. I feel like for yeah. so long, there's this idea that, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still yeah. hear you um there's this idea that it's going to be that at least in my mind for a long time it was like you got a tour you got to make every fan you can one step at a time you know what i mean and then all of a sudden you're going to get 10 more people 10 more people everything about the story you just told is basically happening in the virtual world Yeah. You know what I mean? Until that moment. And as you said, you don't know for sure. Sometimes a song can get played and you don't know if it's translating into fans and you have these little, you have these little markers, like, as you said, okay, they turned into Instagram followers. That means they've taken the interest from the song to us. Now they're connected Mm -hmm. to us. That must've been such a trip because it's always so much easier if you're, I mean, not easier, it's actually harder, but when you're touring and making those fans, you're always getting a sense in every market you know exactly how many fans are in every market by how many people are buying tickets. Whereas that's just like this wild surprise. I also love the story because it's a song that grew, not from radio. Like at first it did get picked. Like it didn't, it wasn't even like, I just feel like there a lot of people give up on songs. We give up on songs so early. We don't know what the future of a song will be. Everybody wants to believe there's a future of a song, but sometimes after a few weeks, We all do it. We put out a song and then boom, it drops. You know what I'm saying? If it drops Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody's like, okay, next song, it didn't work. And you're like, no, check this out, different market. It's crazy to think of how many different ways people can be influenced by songs. Yeah.
1: And the crazy thing about it, too, also is like it only mildly picked up on radio. It didn't it didn't like explode on the radio. There was I think there was one or two stations that really played it in the whole country. And like like this is a big country. It's almost double the population of Canada, you know, and so there's lots of radio stations. There's lots of lots of major cities there. And. it didn't, it didn't ever really, really pick up on radio. There was one station in particular uh, called OFM, which is in a city called Bloemfontein. And they, the song went number one on that station, uh, and it, they really picked it up. But on some of the stations in the other city, it was kind of the support came after with the next singles. And um, it really was like like South Africa and the people of South Africa really took the song and like made it their own. It wasn't... It wasn't like something that they heard all the time on the radio. It wasn't like, it was really a word of mouth thing. And that to me is like really special because we we try so hard to promo songs as artists all the time and push it. And this one just happened naturally. We weren't even thinking about this song anymore. We were thinking about our, our new record, The Happiness of Tomorrow, and how we were promoting it in Canada and in the US. And then... All of a sudden, this shift just happened and it was like, oh, we need to focus on this because this is a totally different thing happening right now, but it's connecting to people in a way that we've never really connected with people as a band before, at least at this scale, you know?
0: Well, I don't think many people do, or at least we forget that it can happen. That word of mouth is still the most powerful way that people share music, right? Like we try, everybody's trying to find that way. Like, okay, if we just get it to the right person, if we get it to the right playlist if we get to the right, and then you have this whole other angle where. It's growing through word of mouth. As you say, naturally, kind of organically, that is so amazing. It also shows like that people are moved by that song, like. You see what I'm saying? They're not being told to like it They're because it, like it's not like it was just showing up on their playlists everywhere and they were like, okay, well, now we're listening. Because we all know that too. There's like a lot of passive listening in yeah. digital, in DSPs. And so mm-hmm. it's really cool where this is active listening. People are choosing. They're passing it to their buds. They're checking it out. I just think cool. it's really important for people to remember artists, remember young artists, everybody. I mean, I'm, me, every older artist, everybody is just to remember that songs can grow in so many different ways for so many different reasons.
1: Absolutely. You know, like
0: sometimes we think there's one way, or if the certain group of people don't particularly get moved by the song, then the song is dead. Whereas what I appreciated with this one is that here's a song that, as you said, you thought was dead. And then it opens up a completely different touring lane that now you're servicing frequently, like half, it seems like you're there as much as you're touring at home.
1: Yeah, we're pretty much at like almost a 50-50 split right now. Like we're prepping up right now. We're doing some some shows across Canada. And uh, then we're headed back to South Africa um, mid-October. Because of the, the beautiful thing about it being on the Southern Hemisphere, right, is their summer is the opposite of ours. So all their summer festivals happen throughout December and January. Um, and they kind of start in November and they really kick up in December and January. So we just did bunch of summer events here in Canada and we're going to go wrap that up here over the next month. But then we're going to go back over to South Africa and and do the summer festival circuit over there. Yeah. And, the like and the
0: weather was... is sweet. And the weather is <laughs> sweet.
1: Yeah. I can't complain about that. The weather is amazing. I, I picked up surfing since I, I've gone. I think it was like the second day or third day we were there. Uh, one of the guys I connected with online before who picked us up the airport asked him, man, I was like, Hey, do you know anybody that surfs? He's like, actually, I got this friend he's a musician friend and uh he coaches surfing on the side that's what he does and i said he'd be ecstatic to you surfing and that that guy has actually become like my best friend now in cape town we go surfing together and we just talk about music and um we've been like working on songs together and stuff even while i'm here in canada over zoom and it's it's been really cool i think one of the best things we did going to south africa is that Our tour started in May, but we went over uh, April 1st and we spent a month in Cape Town and a bit in Johannesburg, really like feeling out the country and like getting a sense of the culture. And then also we did a lot of like activities with fans, like fans of ours were reaching out and we want to show you this or show you this part of our culture. So um they call like a barbecue over there a bride but it's so much more than a barbecue it's like it's like almost like this social gathering and stuff so we we went to a bunch of brides and played them acoustic sets or we went paragliding with fans or we had fans just come pick us up at our airbnb and just like drive us down the coast a few hours to go check out like different like penguin beaches or like
0: uh
1: different mountain ranges or there's an actress from there she took us um zip lining you know it was like a lot of uh, really amazing experiences that we did and got to see the country with people who like were so open-hearted and just wanted to like take us in as their own like there's a good solid portion of our fan base that might not be like the hardcore fan base but a solid portion of the fan base i think we're south african just because the way the song blew up there so big um that they they thought we were from south africa if you If you look up, I think actually if you Google our name, it's like, where's Neon Dreams from? There's a mistake somewhere that says that I'm from South Africa
0: or Frank's (laughs) from South
1: Africa and the other's from Canada. But it's like, no, we're both, both from Canada, Halifax and Toronto. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, what's I, I like, did any of those, I was always wondering, because I followed this whole thing, right? Like I, I saw that video of Frank playing the ukulele and I, I saw how you were building this and connecting with the fans. Like I've always really looked up to you guys as, as a people that I admire in how you would, admi- how you work with your fans, how you talk with your fans, how you communicate with your fans. I always find it fresh. I mean, I've texted you before asking for tips. Like I find it all looks mm. great, but it's really sincere. Like, but I also wondered with all these like personal experiences, when people are taking you around, did it ever get weird? Like, was there ever a weird fan that was like, Hey man, we should do something. And then you get in. You're like, Oh, too close, too much too like, <laughs> yeah. was that ever.
1: No, no we no, we never really had any like weird experience or anything like that like like I one of the first bride we went to, uh which again is like a South African barbecue gathering and um he's become one of my really good friends now, and we did so after our initial tour in May, we did an acoustic tour, uh but our team had gone home, our front of house had gone home um and um some of the other people we had brought from Canada to come work on the tour, they had gone back home, um, and we decided we wanted to stay another month. And we said, "Oh well, I mean, to pay for some of those expenses of staying another month, let, let's do like a small acoustic tour, like 100 to 150-person venues." But <laughs> they drive on the opposite side of the road, and I'm too scared to drive over there. Frank doesn't want to drive over there because it's really disorienting. And I then a I've friend of like mine. Yeah, our friend that we met at that first bry drove and helped us organize the whole tour and kind of took on like a bit of a TM role with us um, over there. So
0: wow, so you've just like I'm just always amazed with how open you've been. You know, like I, I maybe that's a part of the philosophy of the band is that you are really like you are open to your fans. There's an ex- there's a real accessibility there.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think we could we could even operate as a band without our fan base. They help us so much, you know what I mean? It's like, they, they want to see us succeed and they help us succeed, you know? It's kind of a, like, it's almost like the project in Neon Dreams is between us and the fans. It's not just me and Frank, it's the, the fans help build in and stuff, you know? Like we wanted to do some like pop-up shows before that tour started and they would help in the location that would be good, that we can just show up with an acoustic guitar. And I remember uh, the very first like sort of show we did in south africa was we just we said hey let's meet at this beach at this time during sunset and we're going to play acoustic and i think like 200 kids showed up and it was crazy
0: so has it changed the way that you operate in canada
1: yeah a little bit i think i think one thing we really realized going over there was because we were so interactive with our fans and we're showing so much love to this country i think it made us realize how important it is to show uh, that's that same love for our hometown and our home country and all that stuff in a different way than we did before. I, I don't – like, it's not that we weren't doing it before, but I think showing that to our fan base and doing that with our fan base, we weren't doing quite as much. And we realized that, that that's what helped us grow over there. And, um, and I to be honest, I don't even know how big it's actually grown over there because even on our last tour, we still had restrictions. Um, um, yeah. we, I think we were allowed – Yeah, I think we were allowed 500 in an indoor, 1,000 in an indoor, and 2,000 on an outdoor. And I know some festivals got some exceptions to 4,000. But I mean, the very last show that we did in South Africa, they dropped all restrictions the night before, the day before. And it was an outdoor show in a big field. And I think we were allowed 2,000. And then all of a sudden, we just opened up the gates to whoever wanted to come. And we had 8,000 kids show up, all screaming the lyrics to our songs. So oh, we're. Man. I don't think we're really gonna know the extent of it until we go back.
0: I don't think I knew right. the extent of it, bro. I had no idea. Like that's, I didn't even know, even with the restricted numbers, those are amazing numbers for your, this is, I just, it's, it <laughs> takes so long. It can take bands so many tours to get to those numbers. You know it, I know it. We've all toured, you've been doing this. This is not your first rodeo, you know what I mean? Like, and so mm. to have that is, as you said, it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. gift, like that a song can translate. But it's also it's just so important for people to remember that it can, it can. Songs do matter, right? Like yeah. songs do, do, even if if they don't perform right away, they do matter. They can transform mm-hmm. people's lives and they can bring you closer. That's that is what we do. We can try to connect to them all these other ways, but as you said, that first way in was that song, and then it's about developing a relationship. But that's what got there. That's how they found out about who you guys were because you make great music. So I just think that that's, mm-hmm. sometimes it's important to not put the cart before the horse, you know what I'm saying? Like if you if it's all social media without the songs, that's not gonna work either, right? Or if it's all touring and you're kind of forgetting about developing this virtual relationship. I mean, the the, the pandemic has really developed that for a lot of people. It was like, if we weren't making fans during the pandemic by doing things, by connecting, we were gonna, we were going to lose our careers right yeah. Do you know what i mean like it was kind of well, sink or swim i mean it was like
1: yeah one thing one thing we say to said to our fans every night and we i mean we still say this every night when we're there is that they got us through the pandemic i i there's a chance we might not have been abandoned anymore after the pandemic because mm-hmm. it's just like it, it put us in such a tough position um and uh to be honest, like I, I, don't, I won't say like we were struggling as a band going into the pandemic, but it wasn't like, it was like we kind of already had like our moment in Canada, and that happened, and and we we're trying to figure out what the next wave was to take as a band, you know, and um, I think South Africa really like lifted us and ignited that fire again, and that happened through the pandemic, and it kept us going uh, for sure, and one thing they say back to us is, well, we helped them through the pandemic, yes. and. It got them through it too because they discovered this band they had something attached to something to look forward to with us coming to south africa eventually yeah. and like we shared that same thing because the thing i was excited looking forward to throughout it was going to south africa and playing yeah, these cool. shows the thing they're looking forward to is for us to come in it was really a magical moment it was like we were the first international band to come tour the country um Whoa. after all that and um it's and like we it's for, like internet dating we man a while it's yeah, like internet totally.
0: dating is like you know yeah. you've fallen in love with each other, but you haven't met each other yet. That's the Absolutely. best. So you're like all this, you're all stoked. That's and it worked.
1: Yeah, and and I and I also have no idea like how how it was going to turn out. Like originally it was like yeah we're going to come over and do this tour. Then we stayed the extra month, and then we were back three months later. And then I pretty much lived there all winter long uh, this past winter. And you know I've grown I've grown like. A friend friendships with people there there's plenty of musicians we work with over there um it's like it's like almost like currently like half my life is kind of there half my life is here you know and wow. it's it's interesting it's 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 a cool position to be in you know like
0: absolutely it's also um, it, it speaks to the unpredictability of things as you said you know you think you're on a certain trajectory or a certain swing okay we had this big moment in canada now what's the next thing the, the, no matter how much planning we do, (laughs) there's an unpredictable element to our life. Like, so sometimes we kind of jump to the conclusion that things are in a certain heading in a certain direction. You know what I mean? Like, obviously when we're feeling more pessimistic, when we're Mm -hmm. feeling, you know what I mean? Like when we're feeling a little bit more down, the tendency is to be like, okay, my moments, okay, this is what it's going to look like, or this is the momentum for the next little while. then all of a sudden there's like this totally unpredictable thing. Like you said, opens up a new door, but sometimes we don't control all those doors. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not, you didn't You didn't know. It's not like you just like started funneling money into South Africa and hoping it was gonna happen. It's just these doors open and then you're like, okay. But the point is, is you walk through it, you know? And the other thing is, is to speak to that virtual thing we were talking about, that virtual relationship. You also proved that those relationships, we call them virtual, but they're real. As you said, yeah. you helped those fans, they helped you. You had a relationship before you even saw each other because you had you had developed that relationship you were posting directly to those fans i just Holy. think there's so much for people to to get from that you know it's really yeah. easy i think for people to imagine their lives or their careers in, in a certain way mm-hmm. in a certain path okay well first yeah. we got to do this and then we're going to do this and we're going to we're going to but it, there's so many different ways a career can open yeah especially from the maritimes right we come from a smaller part of the world are super, it really is a remote part of the world. We sometimes forget Absolutely. that it's legitimately remote. We're, we're just, you know, we're way up here. We're way up in the North Atlantic. When you look at the globe, you know, like now you've been traveling, you realize like, man, you look at the globe. We're like, what? I thought we were the <laughs> yeah. center of the world.
1: And then on the, and, and then on the other side of it, South Africa super remote too. They're all the That's way right. down at the south, um, the bottom of Africa. They're probably the most developed, uh, country there uh going north up until you hit like nigeria and egypt you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that's all the way up at the top they're super remote too and um frank had said this where it's like south africa has always kind of felt like a little bit of like outsiders to the rest of the world or like their, their own thing and uh frank said he relates to that like right away because it's like he's he's always kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider his entire life and it's like almost like that relationship with the music and all that it like comes together in this really unique, unique way. Um, wow. It's like the, it's just like, man, it's the, it's the love those people shown to us and being able to like give that back to them. And that, that feeling and that experience is like, like no other I've, I've ever experienced in my music career. And it, it, it taught us a lot about being a band and showing love to our fans and Anybody that cares about us as a band, you know? And well, it also probably
0: lit on. a pretty good fire in terms of being motivated. You know, like that remotivates yeah. you, man. When you get 4,000 people at a show jam and you're like, let's go. I mean, that's what yeah. we dream about, right?
1: Yeah. And then another really cool thing is like now we're seeing like South Africans all over the world coming yeah. to our shows and stuff. Like we, we did Calgary Stampede um, last summer and uh, we had a few South African fans come out and. Um, we, we did a Europe tour with our friend Casey Lowry. And um, one thing that happened during Life of the is having its moment in South Africa, it crossed over into like, Germany and Netherlands a little bit. And when we played those markets, we had uh, not only South African fans, but like German fans that had discovered the song through probably friends that were from South Africa or however it happened coming up to the shows and knowing the lyrics. and
0: all So Europe sort of is stuff. now starting to open up.
1: Yeah, a little bit, you know. Um, I remember uh, we go to Soundtrack, the first Soundtrack with, uh, on that Casey Lowry tour, and I hadn't met his guitar player yet, and his name's Raph, and we soundtracked with Life Though Fantasies, and he looks up and he goes, oh, you guys are these guys. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, right. yeah. He, he hadn't listened to us as the opener for, for the tour, and he he was like, oh, yeah, I know this song. It's on my playlist. Like, I added it to my playlist when I heard it. So that like that was a cool moment because he's, he's out of the U.K., and I thought that was – uh a really cool thing that he just like it clicked for him right there right you
0: know how do you guys work on the relationship between you and frank like especially it's such a tight relationship you guys spend obviously especially when you're and i noticed this too once we started touring internationally there's often big gaps between the dates you're not necessarily working every time because it just doesn't make sense especially when you're building a new market you're there as you said you spent an extra month so you're spending a lot of time together Not just playing shows, but like downtime together, chilling, writing together. How do you maintain that? And you've been friends since how long? How long? When did you and Frank meet?
1: I would have just started grade 11. I would have been, I think, I don't think I was 16 yet. I didn't have my license. I remember my dad driving me to the first show and rehearsal and then me getting my license shortly after. And I had, I had a van and I did all the driving early on when it was uh, me, Frank, I don't know if you're familiar with matt matt sampson that yeah, used to play course. guitar yeah, in the of band course. I
0: forgot. And yeah of course.
1: still manages us and yeah. uh and then um we had another bass player and then we moved on to another band and then that's when Corey larue came in and joined because we wanted to add electronics we were like kind of like a pop rock band before okay and then Corey brought this whole new element in that we we had never really experimented before we'd always been interested in like electronic production within our music but didn't know really where to start or anything, and then Corey came in and really like helped us discover that. And it, like this is when I'm like eighteen years old. I went to high school with Corey and like we were in band class together and that's how we knew each other. And then Corey had met Frank separately from me because Frank was trying to learn how to DJ and Corey was teaching him how to DJ and taking him to Corey used to do the Bounce Road Show in Halifax and oh, playing at like school dances and stuff. And he would take yeah. Frank and teach him how to DJ
0: crazy so
1: i mean well for me for me and frank being on the road together and stuff like that like uh me and frank are very different people like i'm very much like an extroverted person frank's very introverted we have very different interests but we also have very similar interests too so i mean when we're like living together in cape town like like he might go on a spiritual retreat for a weekend and all go surfing for a weekend. You know what yeah. I mean? With some friends I've made there, we have different friend groups where we're at. And now, I mean, when we're touring and in cities that we're not as familiar with, I mean, we just go and explore those cities together. Like it's, it's this awesome friendship like Frank's my best friend in the world. And we, we get to experience and explore these things together. And um, I mean, especially between uh between all of us, like it's really become a family, like Corey and Matt are still completely involved. He used to be in the band. Like, I mean, I'm here today at Corey's studio and we're going to be working on some tracks from her new album today. And Matt, who co-manages the band with her manager, Daryl. I mean, I've known Matt as long as I've known Frank since we were 17. I still work with him every single day uh, on everything. I was just calling him this morning about the tech shows in Edmonton and Calgary this weekend. So, um, yeah we, we were so close-knit we're like a family um we've watched each other grow up i've watched i've watched Corey get married and have his his first kid uh which is is amazing and i've watched us all go th- through life and we've watched each other go through life and um it's it, it's really like a family the same way if you have a sibling that you see the things that they go through life through i consider them all like my brothers
0: yeah. I mean, I figured, I figured, I know you've all been through so much and I mean, you've been together long enough that everybody goes through things together as a unit, but to maintain that proximity, to keep that love alive. I'm always, you know, a lot of these conversations are about maintaining a healthy frame of mind, mm. good mental yeah. health good, you know, band relationships. How do people stay creative and stay engaged over a long period of time? That's what I'm most interested in. You know, I I
1: think I I think it's really important that we met each other in high school because we've known each other since we were young and have seen each other grow and stuff, rather than like a band that's starting with a bunch of guys in their mid twenties and having their own lives and stuff. We've watched each other's lives grow um, and how things have changed in our lives. And we all have an understanding with each other for that. I mean, Another example of this is like my best friend through at elementary, junior high and in high school, our parents ended up together and he's actually literally my stepbrother now. And I consider that relationship very similar to my relationship with Corey, Matt and Frank is that like we've known each other since high school and it's like a family thing now, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, to be able to maintain that is such a beautiful thing. Also, not only to grow like as adults and come into your life, and go through your personal experiences as musicians producers i've also watched Mm -hmm. from the outside everything Mm -hmm. just go from the time you guys started leveling up i mean frank is singing (laughs) so well frank sings so he's such a great singer he's always been a great singer but he's gotten better Mm -hmm. and better and better you're drumming killing i mean i was it's crazy it's so great and obviously Corey, like Corey's insane what Corey's doing now all over the world the tracks he's producing all over the world the mixes he's doing he's he's in sessions all the time it's been amazing to watch Cory develop and Cory's I, I just I, I know this side of Cory a bit better I think it's just that you guys all have the, is that he's really disciplined he's been always engaged yep. in the craft learning mm-hmm. improving and I—I I mean, I love to see that. I don't think you really hit these levels unless you're really mostly committed to that. That being the the primary thing. In fact, I—I I don't write down questions for this, but the one question I did write down is like, how do you guys manage to keep on up in your game musically? Like, do you have habits? Do you guys practice frequently? Do you guys have development? What keeps you guys going? I, obviously, Corey's got it. That's that's how he operates as a producer now. How do you do it? How does Frank do it? What's the what's the drill there?
1: Yeah, um, I mean. I, like I don't think a day goes by where I don't touch an instrument whether it be a piano a guitar or my drums um, and um, I mean I because my, my a, a big part of my role in the band is like arranging the live set and stuff I do all like the live playback and the MIDI stuff on stage oh you do um yeah like I mean even this morning today to, this morning I was doing all our MIDI changes for like guitar patches and stuff so Frank doesn't have to touch a single thing. While he's playing guitar, all the pedalboard switches and stuff happen through MIDI switching and stuff like that. So, so you're
0: playing, uh, you're playing drums, and then you've got what? What do you have beside you? A laptop with Ableton, or what? Uh, I
1: don't actually have my laptop like directly beside me. I have a I have a foot pedal that triggers um, the songs in the set, and then I have automation running throughout those songs in the set. So. I have a MIDI, like, for example, uh, well, I have this foot pedal, and it's basically, like, play uh, back a song and then stop, and it's a three-button foot pedal. Um, and when I hit play on a song, I have automation running through a song to either run lights on stage or, like, a tire patch changes or, um, yeah, anything I want, really, my triggers. I run triggers on my drum kit now. It changes my trigger sounds throughout the songs. Um, so Seriously, like example, so
0: what you're sending to the sound person, you're doing your, like, is it being patched through your drum? Like, how does that work when you're sending the triggers? That's really um, rad. I mean, believe me, I, we can get nerdy about this because I find this stuff <laughs> fascinating, and this is kind of a nerd podcast. So, like, I, yeah, I this am, is my
1: world. This is 100 percent my world. Is I nerd out about the live stuff.
0: Okay, yeah. So,
1: like, I I like. So, we work with a, a music director his name's Dean Jarvis. He's originally from Nova Scotia, actually, but he he plays bass for Alessia Cara, and he does the music direction for her show. Oh wow. Uh, he used to do Nelly Furtado. He, uh, he's done Backstreet Boys. He's he's like a top tier music director. And me and him will will sit down. Usually when we start our rehearsals, we'll do like a day or two, just me and him. And what we do is we go through every song. We pull every kick and snare out of a song electronically and assign them to my kid on triggers. And so when I hit my kick, um, I get my live kick, but it's also blended with the actual kick from like High School Dropout, for example. Yeah, There's wow. a kick sample in there. So when I hit my kick, it triggers exactly at the exact same time. Same thing with my snare. Um, and then I do MIDI automation to like maybe the snare changes in the song or like, you know, I, I, I don't want to be fiddling around with stuff for the next song. So but it's it just still, live. It's, it's still it's, live. it's still live, yeah.
0: Wow. Live if I, if like if with the tracks, like with the sounds yeah, of the tracks. If,
1: yeah, if I stop playing drums, you're not going to hear drums. You might hear like a okay. shaker or okay. like maybe some clap stuff that I'm not actually playing on the clip. Kit, do you have a like, click in your ear yeah i got i so i program uh, a click track and then like countdown so it'll be yeah. like verse and four three two one and yeah. all that yeah. sort of stuff or um yeah so i'll do that and then uh, on frank's kemper i'll i can i can automate patch changes i can also if i want like like him to start a guitar solo that's st- like re it starts to like reverb out. I can automate the reverb to go up as it's going on like the dry wet to make it uh you know maybe if it just like fades out to like a mess of reverb or um.
0: And you're doing this yeah. all before the show begins, so it's all automated. So when he knows it, once it's, you're on that track, then that's how the that's how it's going to respond. Yeah, You're yeah, making me he feel like that. a a friggin' dinosaur, bro. You are making me feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and It's then... insane how much I don't know. This is why I love you guys <laughs> man. This is why I love you guys. I feel like you are the future. Like, I mean, even automate the idea of lights being automated through triggers is such a wicked idea because I just feel like we can learn so much. We can all learn so much from yeah. each other. These are the kind of things like one thing I love about pop music. And, and first of all, we don't actually have a ton of pop music being made on the East coast of Canada. So it's great mm-hmm. to have you guys here. I said, you have to be really creative in ways of presenting a big show yeah. without 25 people because you just can't do yeah, that. Yeah, right? I mean, so and that's it's, and it's why difficult you're having to
1: do all this. Is, I'm sorry, I was just saying, it's, it's also difficult doing it as like two people, but we found mm-hmm. a way to make it work as it's, as two people on stage. Um, and I really think like bringing in like the trigger drums and bringing in, uh, these guitars like this and the moments that we have between me and Frank is really what makes it feel like, like a lot of people say to us, uh, I like, like, especially at like a festival where it's like, there's different stages going on and stuff like that. They're like, Oh, I heard you guys from afar. And then I came and watched and was shocked to see two people on stage. To me, that's like the biggest compliment in the world because they're like, I thought there was like a six piece band playing up there. And for me, that's one of the biggest compliments I can get um, when we're playing. Of course, and you're really going on these good.
0: stages, like these festival stages, the other bands, if, if they're yeah. playing track, often have big, big setups. So you know, it's not like it's, it's, it's that this is what you are relating with, you know what I mean? So if you can find a way to sure. do it in a creative way at less, with less people, it's, it, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's invaluable. And to prove, yeah. so you're not bringing, there's no lighting person that comes with you. You're doing the lights.
1: um Like it depends on the venue or it depends on the festival. Like yeah. we'll use the house lighting, but we'll add like little things. Like um, the last uh, Atlantic Canada tour we did, we we have like a, a set piece it's basically like our logo, like this, this logo yeah. here that we'll, we'll set up on stage. And um, I run like automation, so like, Frank will send me like a list of color modes for each song. He's like, this song feels like blues and yellows to me. And then I'll 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 do like a uh, a midi lighting uh, automation thing over that song of uh, like different, like the logo fading out of blues or yellows, or like, I know I'm going to do a snare fill that's just like a here and I'll do like strobes on these lights that I put on by my drums to be perfectly in time with my snare hits or. So how much sort of do you thing. have to travel
0: with in terms of gear? Like, are you bringing little lights and stuff in, 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 you know, in your luggage and that kind of stuff? Are you traveling with some of these lights?
1: It, it depends. Like we did an American tour right before uh, the shutdown and uh, the other band we were touring with had a lighting package and I spent two or three days before the tour at their house programming the lights for that tour. Cause they have a different, different lighting than us. And every single light has a different, um, Like a midi map for their dmx channels and stuff like for example for example like our logo it's really simple it's just rgb and then it's a combination of how much red how much blue how much green um but then like um like an led strip for example it might have like four zones and then this one has rgb plus strobe plus uh, uh brightness on a midi channel And so that, that one section on that one light strip has five MIDI channels, but there's four. So there's actually 20 across an entire led bar and I'll program. I I think the last, the last time I haven't, I haven't done it in a minute because we had a lot of really good house lighting on our South Africa tour. But the last time I programmed the light show, I think it was like 150 MIDI lanes or something like that. um, Controlling each part on stage. I think we had like four led bars, six strobes and then our logo. So all that together ended up being like 150 MIDI channels. Of,
0: oh, and so if you uh, have a house guy or a house girl, if you're if you're if you're working with a house tech, do you have to give them cues, or are you just saying feel it out and let it rip?
1: Feel it out, yeah. I I might give them like the the color list, like yeah. uh, like that same mood list that Frank sends me for the songs, and be like, this is what I'm going to be doing with my lights during this, and you can play off it.
0: Yeah. Wow. man, I just love the fact, like, first of all, you guys are just not lazy, dude. There's like nothing lazy about (laughs) that approach at all. Like, I just feel like it's so refreshing to talk to a band that is so invested themselves. In making this happen not not some wait. you know what i mean like not the not the waiting for something else or waiting for someone else to do the thing do you know what i'm saying or getting to that place where oh you know it's going to be wicked when we get the chance to have a lighting person when we get the chance to do this the reality is you guys didn't wait you didn't wait you figured it out how long did it take you to figure this stuff out though man it must have been crazy it it
1: really started to click for me on we tore Rhea may in 2018 and i don't know if you know her bass player chris yeah yeah chris really started to get me into this role and showing me stuff and like chris is my main person i call we're like hey man i'm having this issue with ableton or um have you ever done this in ableton before how are you programming and doing it so me and chris talk a lot about that um and he's kind of been my go-to guy for that sort of stuff chris is always like one step ahead of me so i always i always give him a call because he yeah
0: he seems like a genius
1: yeah he's so good at what he does um jeff who used to play drums for ria he built our logo light um for us and he does he built Ria's stage pieces uh, really? for her over the years touring yeah yeah he it's just been a project of his for years that he's been building these like light fixtures and stuff and he just does it in his garage in vancouver wow. so and um, so
0: you do travel with that you do travel with some some fixtures yeah
1: actually our logo light is in a warehouse in cape town right now in south africa um, Crazy. Yeah, I had I actually had it. I gotta I gotta do a repair on it because the power system over there is different, yeah. right? They're on two thirty hertz where we're like one ten or whatever. And uh, we got to a venue and a lighting guy is like, oh, let me let me just set that up for you. I know exactly what this is and all that. And I forgot to switch it from one ten to two thirty, so the power converter went. And I'm gonna have to repair that when I get back, but
0: wow man i love it it's given me so many i mean first of all it makes me feel like i am just as i said dinosaur like i mean oh. but i do love because some of these ideas it's just so great this is the reason why i love having these conversations is because we just learned there's so much to learn from each other and sometimes we're also busy touring and stuff as you said like if it wasn't the ria may tour is what opens up that and Obviously, mm-hmm. Rhea and Class have done a lot together. Like, we all learn from from these experiences from one another. Totally. It's, it's just so valuable. And Corey's now working with producers all over the world. And how does the writing thing for you guys work? How does that go between you and Frank? And is Corey involved in most of the writing sessions as well?
1: Yeah, Corey's still, so like, 100% involved okay, with well. all the writing. Um, I mean, for well, most of our new album... We originally wrote the songs in South Africa and then brought them back to Canada to work on the Macquarie. We've been working with a producer in Cape Town uh, named Dolph Williamson. I think I said that right. <laughs> um, and he's a uh, he's, uh, he's a he's a well known producer in the Afrikaans music community in South Africa, and we we clicked right away um the very first session we did with him was little dance and
0: yeah i love that uh,
1: which is which is our single that's right now it's still doing great in south africa
0: and uh, amazing video by the way
1: oh thank you thank you like yeah we just shot that we we brought a video guy with us on the first tour we did in south africa we didn't know him really until the first day of tour and he came and he did this youtube series with us and we're like how do you feel about shooting a music video and we just it was just like this awesome collaboration between friends i i joined a skateboard crew in Cape town when I was there and we skate the, the promenade of the Atlantic seaboard there every Monday. Um, There's like a full concrete path that runs all the way down the Atlantic ocean side of Cape town. And we skateboarded every Monday, and they all came out and did this video with us and friends we've met from over there and different like TikTokers and stuff. And it was just this really cool, fun video to shoot of like, what are, lifestyle and experience in cape town has been you know like there's those scenes of a skateboarding at the waterfront well that's every month that's every monday yeah, me yeah on it's on, all man.
0: real it's all real that's, that's my
1: real. that's my go-to thing to do when we're there the surf shots for frank uh the meditating like that was a reference to like all these uh spiritual journeys and retreats he's been doing and you know i gotta see, just, that's, really, i gotta talk
0: to frank about i mean i'm a meditation fanatic So I'm always, I'm so curious to hear more about that, but I do love the meditation references in that video. And he looks like he's, he looks like he's in a good place. I also love looking at that video and being like, man, he looks like he's in a good place in this video. I love that. It looks, it looks very sincere. It's bright and happy, but it's very sincere.
1: Yeah. I think, I think being in South Africa gave us a new perception on life and not just with music and with our personal lives. And, um, and how we've grown as people. And I think it, it's, you know, it's given us different perspectives of, you know what I mean? It's like, if you go and you live anywhere, somewhere in the world for a year, you're, you're gonna have different outlooks on life and you're gonna learn things about yourself. And I rec- recommend anyone, if they can make it happen and make it work to go travel somewhere or so live somewheres different for a year, just to, for your own self discovery. You know? I
0: agree. I mean, my most important experiences in my life were, and when I was in grade 11, I did an exchange and I moved to Belgium. And yeah. I lived with a, a Belgian, a Francophone Belgian family in the in the, in the Southern part of, yeah. of Belgium for a year. I was 15 and, mm-hmm. and went and lived with that family. It changed my life. I had no friends, totally. you know, like I had to restart. Yeah. And when you're 15, 16 years old, you define your whole life by your social circle. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're out of your social circle. You're out of the norm. You're out of the patterns, the rhythm of what you did. And then you got to redefine who you are. What is Mm -hmm. it that really mean? Not just what means something to your friends or not me, you know, what does it mean to you? What are you gonna do with your day? And then I did it, I I loved it. It changed me, you know, it really did. Mm -hmm. I started playing trumpet like crazy. I I played trumpet a lot before, but I played like crazy that year and I started running. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, you Mm -hmm. know, I had habits that I stuck with. And then I, I did the same thing when I was 20, I moved to China for a year and I studied Mandarin
2: very
0: cool in university. So I, I mean, and it was the same. I bought my first guitar. I didn't write a song. I'd never written a song really before. I bought this like thirty dollar guitar. Didn't play guitar and started playing. It's like what? twenty. That's when I started.
1: I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. That's so and then, cool. but I,
0: I wrote my like I was learning my first chords and wrote my first song and then like didn't stop. You know what I mean? Like as soon as I wrote one song, I was like, oh my god, this is what I want to do with my life. I didn't know. I always I was obsessed mm-hmm. with music. Obsessed my whole life but I never knew that songs were going to be what I wanted to do until I got that guitar. And I had this space, you know, I was in a totally, I was, you know, I was in a confusing environment. There was so much going on in my, you know, you're, you kind of, you go through so much that I, I agree, man. And I actually, you know, I really do. I feel the same. I say this often to my kids is like, when, if you can get yourself out of that, out of that pattern in any way and see how other people live, this, you know, big, it's really a powerful thing. Cause we can, we forget sometimes that there's other ways to live. There's other ways to think there's other ways to other rhythms of a day. You go to a different yeah. place that has a different rhythm and you can be, it changes you.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I Cape town and South Africa as a whole has definitely changed a lot of things in my life. And
0: well, yeah. surfing's gotta be a big change. Are you doing it now in Nova Scotia when you come home? I
1: haven't had the chance to this summer. I like, I value my time at home so much, uh, spending time with my partner, my family, of course, all that stuff. I mean, I was gone eight months of the year last year. You know what yeah. I mean? So hard
0: to bolt out for yeah. a four hour sesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
1: So I, uh, I've, I, but I got really into kayaking this summer. I, I was kayaking a whole bunch. Um, and uh during the pandemic i started running a bunch i'm i'm three kilometers away from my 50 kilometer goal this month um so there you go i've been uh yeah, and also, like, man, the food in South Africa is so good. I gotta be honest, I gained, like, 30 pounds being over there because yeah. I just couldn't stop eating all the amazing food. Really? So I'm, like, this summer I've been, like, time to crack down a little bit, you know, before I go back to other summer down there. So
0: yeah, I've been yeah, running
1: and kayaking. I've been doing as much as I can to get outdoors and stuff. But I didn't get any surfing in, in Nova Scotia. but um I'm I I feel like that's a, a mainly a South African activity for me now, you yeah. know. It's like um I mean South Africa's one of the biggest hotspots in the world for surfing. Jeffreys Bay is known for having one of the best waves in the world and they have world competitions there. The, surfing's a high school sport there and it's like uh it, it's like people watch it on TV. It's yeah. like it's the coolest thing ever. And someone that grew up like skateboarding and snowboarding, like that—that's just so cool to me. I have—I have surfed in Nova Scotia, though. The very first time I ever did was here in Nova Scotia okay. before going over to Cape Town. Uh, not at Lawrence Town Beach, but in Lawrence Town at a cove, just a little bit past Lawrence Town Beach. Yeah. I had gone there a couple times. Oh,
0: that's great! No, I mean, like I, but that's an example of how your life can change. You go to a different spot, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Why not? Let's open this door and see what happens. Totally. Hundred yeah, percent. I mean, I before we take off, I'm just curious. Cause you know, now you guys are an experienced band, you know, you've done mm-hmm. this now for a long time. I think about, I mean, I think anybody, any musician, but I think particularly about pop musicians in Canada. And I, I feel like if, in terms of what advice would you give a young pop musician? Because one thing about pop, sometimes I feel like, again, there's like, it can feel like there's so many hurdles between you sorry, and that, that audience yeah
1: Frank, Frank come here this is a great question for you now that you you've arrived this is a great yeah question Frank for you ca- came right on time end off this interview
2: with. come on in sorry Dave can you
0: please Frank? Repeat oh
1: that buddy question right now that he's arrived
0: <laughs> hey, so I was in physiotherapy I messed up my leg oh <laughs> good well I hope your leg's okay <laughs> yeah so doing it's,
2: it's they put me on a little uh uh, like electric thing and a shock in my leg it's like oh.
0: it's, it's a crazy is, it's a crazy feeling man great to see you frank great to see you, great to see
2: you. you look great man i like the
0: right. suit oh no, thanks well i keep it fresh even in the studio man i have it actually really? hiding back there i just put it on before hey <laughs> but i was just i was just asking like with you we have had a great conversation and i admire your band so much i love you guys i you know but I, i've been thinking about so much now that you've been doing this now for a long time. You have really good habits. You've learned to become a really disciplined band in terms of becoming focusing on the music, the social media element. You kind of know now what the pillars That you need to take care of i feel like this is what's great about an experienced band like that when you're at first you kind of be like okay it's all about this we're gonna put all of this and then you kind of ignore let's say your (laughs) physical health you know what i'm saying or you ignore your mental health or you ignore the live show and so what i'm curious is like when you're talking to a younger musician now and based on these things that you've learned what what would you tell them particularly in the pop world because i feel like the pop world can feel like there's so many gatekeepers between you and that audience. It can feel like it's, it, it can feel manufactured in a way that, that isn't right. Cause it's just, it's music and it's fans and it's people, you guys, I love that you've broken down so many of those barriers. I think it's my favorite part of what you do. So how would you, how would you relate to a young musician now that's struggling with some of these things?
2: Man, that's, that's such a great question. Um, I, I know like when I tell my friends that like, like, finding the, the truth of who you are is so important. Like, it's cool just to be famous, but you get famous by, like, you know, like, running around naked on the street and being On TikTok, you're famous. But if you have purpose, yeah, like, you're going to, no matter what happens, you're just going to keep going. You're going to keep going forward. You fall down, it, the purpose p- picks you back up. And... And when you find truth about yourself, when you recover, heal from trauma, you, you you get better, and it's all it starts inside. Like for that's what I found it. That's what our whole career started changing when I started. I realized, you know, I wanted to help people like find it, find themselves, because like I had this moment where I, I just I was I almost gave gave up on life, and in that moment I decided, you know, with the rest of my life I'm gonna help people. And, and and then instantly I realized I need to help myself because to know somebody, you have to know yourself. And then uh, I went on this crazy journey, I deleted music, people were upset about it. And then everything started changing, changing and changing and changing. Our whole world started changing because the more I understood myself, the better I could write music, the the better I could handle being on tour, the mental got better. And I start stop wasting my time drinking all the time and you know messing around and like the the world you see on dreams now is because of the work that we are both doing with, with our like inner inner selves I guess so finding the truth about yourself is like so important I think because yeah um, you, you, it doesn't matter like you know because you're gonna reach people because people just love connecting with somebody that understands themselves. Wow, you didn't even know what we were talking about right before this, but you just bridged
1: it so well. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a
0: beautiful, it was a beautiful I, feel like beautiful. I feel like I should leave
1: for like 10, 15 minutes so you guys can finish this off. No, I'm dead serious. You should finish this off with them for about 10 minutes because
0: we've had our moment. Now All right, okay, yeah, we can you, do that. Adrian, yeah. thanks, buddy. Yeah. No, cheers, bro. You guys take like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank <and finish laughs> you. This off. Right on. Appreciate that. that yeah, Beauty. well, Frank, actually, it is great. You're right because, you know, we talked a lot about the the technical side of what you guys do. We talked a lot about making the, you know, relating to the fans, obviously the South African experience, but uh, another thing I've noticed. And one thing that's really important for me is, is meditation. Yeah. Uh, you know, meditation is a big part of my life. And a lot of these conversations, that's yeah. the purpose of this podcast is often to get, to talk to artists about how they maintain long careers, how they stay connected to a source as you say you know what i mean knowing and so you describing that idea of of, of knowing yourself and knowing the per is so it's perfect it's exactly what I've, what because it's so easy to forget that that's what it's about yeah <laughs> it's so easy to pursue <laughs> <music>. actions <laughs> yeah it's so <laughs> to, to guess how people are going to react i'm oh I, I think i should do this because people are going to do this I think that people and you can't know people like that. You know what I mean? There's this there's this guessing game that can take place if you get caught in it. And as you said, yeah. like yeah. if you start winning at something that you are not, it's it's worse than losing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: No, oh, 100%. I feel that, man. man. So what I mean, did the, I
0: wish- what did that process look like for you, man? Like honestly, what was that when you came to that place? for me, it was a similar place. I got to a dark place. I was, I was lost. Yeah. I was depressed. I was lost. Things were fine in my like mm. on paper. Right. Yeah. Like think things were fine on paper, but something wasn't adding. I was quite sick physically and I didn't mm. feel right. I was, de- I was really depressed. And I was working and I was getting through shows, but then I, I couldn't really figure out what it was. And therapy was a huge help. And meditation has been a huge help, but also just putting into a, a, a general spiritual practice into my life. But for, I'm always curious to know what it looks like for different people. So for you, if you don't mind, what, what did that process look like? What does it still look like for you? Uh,
2: I started Oh, so I, I started going to like healing retreats Back uh, when I discovered I, I needed, I, I knew I needed help, but I didn't know what it was. You know, I, I knew I needed to work on myself. But like, when you, when you put that thought in your head, eventually you're going to gravitate towards something that's going to help you. And uh, I remember I was in Sedona, not Sedona, uh, I was in LA. And I, I met a I met a uh, Uber driver, Like and it smelled like heaven in there. I was like, what does that smell? And she's like, I got this at this retreat I was at, a yoga retreat. And I was like, yo, I'm actually going to go, want to be shooting a music video for the song, our song about you in that area. I'll go stop by and grab that uh, essential oil. So. I found a lot of this stuff I'm doing through an essential oil that I smelt in Uber. <laughs> and
0: you never know, really man. Funny. You just yeah, got to yeah. follow your nose.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, and I went to the place, managers with me. And then uh, a week later I, I started developing, developing insomnia and like, I just, I couldn't sleep and I started to hallucinate. And I was like, I could call a manager. I'm like, I know I can tackle this and figure it out. But in the long run, I don't know, like, because I, I, I think a lot. So I, I I added up the equation of, like, what my life is going to be. I'm like, this could turn really bad. So I need help. And he's just like, uh, well, that place we're at, when you got the oils, I read the pamphlets. And they, they have these, like, retreats and stuff. You should go, you should go look at that. And then I, I went to my first retreat, did, like, a, like a detox. I like cleansed my body of all, like, the bad toxins and I was away from technology, just like it was just the most beautiful thing. I never actually listened to what's going on in my head, you know and uh, it really I really got over a lot of trauma like you're always healing you it's always gonna come back and you're gonna always think of stuff. nothing goes away, but you can learn to control your like, emotions and stuff and uh, and after that moment, I'm just like i I thought I was going to quit music because I, I realized I was making music because I was so traumatized and no one listened to me. So anytime people would listen to me is when I started singing, so I was just like, I'll just do this, you know, and uh, and then I realized I can take all those lessons I learned in in that and just give it back to people. And I've been practicing like meditation, and you know, meditation, but it's really good. It's a, the practice of being aware, being present, and the more present you are, the more you experience life. You know, because life doesn't happen in the past or the future; it happens right now. So. And that's where all the best ideas come from. Uh, yeah, it's it's a forever forever thing for me, like doing those things because uh, you, you just don't it, it doesn't pain doesn't go away, and you can always if you, if you stop uh, if you stop like working on yourself, then all the other stuff builds up. So you have to work just as much as the, the other force. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: uh, well, we're so easily yeah, distracted you know, from those things. Yeah. Yeah, We have so many distractions in our life. There's so many other things that can give us signs that, you know, affirmative signs that can tell us to go in certain directions, especially with social media, especially, especially, you know what I mean? In the music industry, you know what I mean? You're looking for affirmation and there's all these different things where, as, as you said, like, if you don't take a second, chill with your own thoughts, figure out why you're doing this, how things are influencing you. I don't think I realized just how much, first like how much pressure I was putting on myself also just this idea of just being a disappointment to people was just like a real big factor in my, in my mental game a lot. It was just kind of, I was scared. I was scared, but I really, in many ways, I think I was just scared to sit with, with no distractions or no affirmation or no applause or no, whatever, you know what I mean? Just sit and be like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay, you know what I mean? Like that takes a lot It took a long it took a long time to be like I can I actually don't need to be running right now. I don't need to be doing this. It's actually okay to sit. And then once I started to feel like I could sit, I got to be a lot more comfortable moving forward and having conversations like this with people and being able to you know. It's just been a very interesting experience, but I've loved how you've shared that with your with your fans. Like you've been really honest and open about it have you noticed that people have responded in kind that that it's one of these things that we can be so scared to be vulnerable right like it's so scary when you say that like i'm taking a break from social media i'm going to work on myself you're like that's can be the most terrifying moment
2: yeah i I noticed i noticed right after i dropped that sweet dreams to Sunbeams album that everything that i said that i wanted to do started coming true in a way like People were just messaging me, like, you helped me through the hardest time. Like, I was about to do something really horrible and I heard this song and it changed my mind. i just like, what the heck? That is crazy. And it's just like more and more and more. And, and then a pandemic happened and then then I thought that music was over. I don't know. I was like, okay. And then, and then, well, two months into just like chilling at home, working on stuff. Whole fan base in South Africa started this yeah. growing and growing. And it's like people are saying the same things like, you, you know, this song helped me, this song, this song. Like, thank you so much. And I just made like a little note of it. And, and Adrian, like, he's the first one to notice it. And I managed to, we should like engage with these guys because, like, we have no idea what's actually going on down there. And, and uh, yeah, like, that, that was, that was, it was nuts. Like, I sent I made this little ukulele video and yeah just we, like, were that, so we were much. talking about that, I yeah, that yeah, yeah. Oh, just... man we were talking about
0: that
2: oh man it was just and then there's like oh, it? I was like what is going on like like when you're really in your truth like people notice it and and uh when you're not it, that's noticeable too so,
0: and yeah. you can put yeah. so much into it if you're not yeah, as yeah. you said in your truth and it won't make a difference It's like filling Mm -hmm. an empty Mm -hmm. bucket. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just filling (laughs) filling a bucket with a hole in it. It's just draining out the bottom. Like, I think it was really, really cool as as you're saying is that you started to see these things come back to you, not from outward work. Like we put such a focus on rushing. We put such on the hustle. It's important to hustle. You guys hustle. Like, I love it. It's important to be outward. It is. But it's a, it's a real balance, I think, especially in our industry, but especially in, in in culturally speaking, we have this tendency to think of outward energy all the time. And that's actually what makes things move. And as you, what you're saying is quite the opposite. In fact, it's when you started to turn some of that energy inwards that you actually started to see things change. That's yeah. not how we perceive making things change on the outside. Do you know you what mean? I
2: mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. It's like uh, uh, it all starts... <laughs> like reality all starts from the inside. Uh-huh. It's strange if you like understand manifesting and stuff is just like, I'm, I'm studying that stuff now. And it's like, Oh, that makes so much sense. So every time I said I was going to forget something, I always forgot something. It's turned in my
0: head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's interesting. That's, that's Quake and I talked about that a bit too? Cause Quake's really into that stuff too. And I, but I do find it, I just find it really interesting. It's also really counter to what we've been, how we've been built. And, and I think how we talk about the industry, sometimes it's like, okay, how much output, 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 well, what are you putting in? You know what I mean? What are you, and, and what's the purpose of it? What, as you said, you know, and, but also just to be able to see that connection between it's not, it's, it's productivity. We, we, it, like, we think of productivity as being a certain thing. Yeah. And so it's about working twenty twenty 20 hours a day. It's like, no, that's actually <laughs> super <laughs> unproductive. It's terrible for yeah. you. It won't last. <laughs> terrible. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I think that was a big thing for me about meditation is it's like a dedication to unproductive. I'm not even running now. Like before I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I'll run and I'll think it's like, no, no, I'm running. If I'm doing that, like, this is actually a dead, this is dedicated internal work. I'm not running. I'm actually not exercising. Yeah. Like this is I'm, I'm, I'm exercising in a way that it would be is almost from the traditional sense, from the Western sense, or from our cultural sense, totally unproductive. I'm not, not writing anything i'm not conversing i'm not you know what i'm saying i'm not doing exercise i'm not eating (laughs) i am literally just trying to sit but when you wrestle with that and then you start to see actually it's the most productive part of my day changes everything everything changes It's the same way that Mm -hmm. exercise changes (laughs) things you know but i just i'm working against that because i just think people people's concept of productivity when they hear oh they'll be like oh man how the heck you do that i remember listening to an interview with rivers Cuomo the guy from Weezer he meditates two hours a day and I was like what yeah what? that who has time yeah, for that exactly. and they're like <laughs> I don't know he's pretty productive it's not like he's not <laughs> productive the guy's getting albums done I don't know much about him but he like he puts stuff yeah. out you know what I mean like Rick Rubin's not exactly a slacker
2: no <laughs> yeah. you know something we don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's a beautiful thing though. Just being with yourself. It's, I I wish I knew this when I was younger, but it's it's good to know now.
0: Me too. Me too. Well, I appreciate that you're you're passing that message on to younger people and giving people hope, and 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 giving people uh, like a a way to think about their problems as not being they're not they're not alone. That's the yeah. biggest thing, right? It's so easy to feel alone. When we're in that position and to be like you know what it's you're not you know like you've got music videos and you've got all this but you also have this that you work on every day you know what i mean this is this is what everybody does and it's so and i think with loneliness and disconnection especially recently we can really and I, i i obviously i got young kids now so we talk about this a lot right it's just to understand that fit mental fitness is it's it's part of the game. It's okay. It's yeah. it's okay. It's what what we deal It's who we are as human beings.
2: Yeah. yeah everything inside of us is important. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, and you're and you're open about that with young people in a in a world that I think can can look glossed over. Instagram. Yeah in the world of of social media that can look like, okay, everything's gotta be perfect. In fact, it does more in some ways, you gotta wonder if it's not doing more damage because it's just based on like a a vision of perfection that's not attainable. Whereas it's so refreshing. It gives like a big door opens in that world when a guy like you goes, I'm working on myself. I'm taking a little of a break. I'm struggling a little bit right now, peace. And everybody goes, oh, thank God. Thank God I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> i could delete it my personal instagram too i was like all right guys did <laughs> yeah. i need it yeah yeah yeah
0: well those That's are the funny. things you got to figure those things out for yourself i've been trying to you know figure out what i need and what i don't need everybody's been trying you know you have to reevaluation all the time yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
0: well Man, frank thanks I- buddy I FOMO.
2: Uh, no, what you guys spoke about earlier, and I have to wait. <laughs> you have to go
0: back to it, man. It's amazing. I just love how you guys have built your career. I admire you so much. Honestly, I'm a big fan. I, it's been awesome, and to be able to. I also just love the to be able to. Actually, this has been great to be able to talk with both of you because you realize why it works. It isn't. It's not. It's because of our differences. You know, it's like a, As you said, it's like a family. It's because you guys have different skills, and you're able to communicate. Yeah. Despite like so what we've talked about with Luke, like Luke, when Klaus and I have worked for all that, pro, that's what it came down to. It was actually that we had, we were different. We loved making music, but we do it really differently. But you know, it's so important to be able to work with people who operate differently, think about different things, mm-hmm. consider different things when they're making music and building something like you guys. Just to hear your different skill sets it's, it's so great. And so inspiring yes. for me. It's inspiring for me. I love it, man. I feel like, a, I mean, I'm, Adrian made me feel like a dinosaur. I was saying, dude, it was crazy. Techno, <laughs> like, what am I doing? single microphone like dude <laughs> we nerded on tech for oh, a yeah. oh, oh, yeah. bit
2: if i didn't have him i'd just be playing guitar and singing too <laughs> so,
0: well that's it's a, it's a beautiful combination man i love the path that you guys are going on and i can't wait to hear more and uh you know i appreciate you taking the time because i know you're super busy have a great tour at west too yeah
2: well, thank thanks you very so much, much bro, bro. Right appreciate
0: you. You. thanks guys we'll talk to you soon Peace All right, thanks. like a family. I love how they describe their working relationship and after talking with both Adrian and Frank you realize they're, they are quite different. They've, they're different in the way they communicate and that's what makes them so strong as a duo. They're an amazing band, Neon Dreams. I love how open they are with their audience. I, I really suggest you follow them on social media, particularly Instagram. They're amazing at putting together little videos. And, you know, all all of us older musicians like myself, we could learn a lot from Neon Dreams, how they relate to their fans, how they share their music with the world, and also how they put on a live show. I loved all that nerdy stuff that Adrian was talking about, about putting on a big pop show as just two people on stage that is some innovative stuff their website is neondreams.ca they're doing shows all the time touring all over the world they're always putting out great new music so be sure to check out their music and thank you so much once again For joining me on this podcast, Miles from Home will keep the episodes coming. I appreciate you being part of this so much. And as I said before, if there's other episodes and there's lots of them out there, go check them all out and share them with your friends. I appreciate your support so much. Hope you're all doing real well and we'll see you again really soon. Take care. Peace.